Prayer. Can you hear me now? You know, communication is amazing because I think... We can go ahead. Thank you, Luke. And uh, we could talk about cell phones. You know, I think more people are more interested in the cell phone than they are the Bible. I got to tell you something. This device is unbelievable. Because I will tell you this. I have a BlackBerry. And yes, it's still the one with the little rolling kind of little ball that's right here. The bead that rolls up and down. And are you have one of those? Did I hear you say somebody say used to? I, that's right. I like my little track ball and uh, that I can mess around. Becky keeps saying, honey, you, you might want to get a new phone. No, I don't. And uh, see, I can even with technology put my beautiful wife's face right there. And, uh, but on here, this is what's amazing. You've got Facebook. You have AOL. You have text messaging. You have an address book. Then you have a calendar, which tells me where I'm going and what I'm doing. And then you have all these other applications that you could do crazy things with. It's amazing that we could sit at a dinner table, and as you're sitting at the dinner table, you get a text message. So we pick up the phone, and we have to look at that text message. God forbid we go 10 minutes without looking at it. That's almost torture for us. And, uh, and then something else comes on and goes bleep, 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 or screams or yells or says pick up your phone or whatever that they do. And, and it's amazing what technology has done for all of us. Matter of fact, I want to know something. Go ahead and confess it. How many of you have your Bible on your app? Go ahead. Come on, help me out here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See? And uh, so many people do that, and they're able to now take their phone and access it because technology is great. It's amazing how much time we spend, you know, talking on the phone. As we know, and I love this little clip when I found it. I thought I got to use that for my pre-sermon thought. Can you hear me now? Because Verizon really sold billions and billions of phones and services because can you hear me now? And, uh, but the question that I want to ask you this morning is this. Can the Lord hear you now? Does he hear you when you go to him in prayer? Do we access him as much as we access our phone? It's amazing how when I first got a phone, and I told Becky I don't want a phone, but running a business and running a church at one time, it was kind of funny because when we first started the church, I had a cell phone here and another cell phone right next to it. One was the church line, one was ours. Now it's all the same, and I just tell everybody, call me on my phone and... It's ridiculous to waste money like that so that Verizon or Sprint or whoever gets our money. It's ridiculous. But anyhow, you know, and another thing that's great, isn't it amazing how when it first started out, buddy, they were getting you hook, line, and sinker because they were telling you, if you'll do this, we'll give you two lines free and we'll do this. For only $5, you can do this. And you know what? We're going to give you an extra $1,000, I mean a 1,000 minutes a month. Not $1,000. I'd never do that. they take your $1,000 a month. And, uh, but now our phone bills are two and $300 a month because they got you. And what did we do? We're not going to get a house line. We're going to get rid of the house line and just use our cell phones because we don't need it. And now we used to complain. I'll tell you this. This is what was great. I used to complain over my $90 house phone bill. But you don't think of anything because you go, wow, this bill's $200, but it's okay because, you know what, we can access the Internet. We can do things that otherwise we wouldn't be able to do, and we can pay for it all in a monthly little bill. They get you. It's amazing that society today that we've forgotten the word. That when the Bible came out, and I know that, that King James, when he trans you know, translated it from the Texas Receptus and it was put back in homes because Queen Mary used to, they called her Bloody Mary, actually was killing people if you had the Word of God in your home because at one church time the Catholic Church wanted to have full control of the power that's in that book. 
But we fail to pick it up. We fail to read it. We fail to grab hold of it. This morning, as I kick off persistent prayer, I didn't get an opportunity to share my devotion last week, and it was really amazing as as I concluded the service. And, And I want you men to know I'm very, very proud of you. And I'm proud that the Lord's taken you into a place where you're going to have a deeper walk with Him and a closer relationship with God the Father. But I want you to know that as we move forward, nothing else matters to me except, one, you come to know Christ as your Savior. Two, that you know that the Lord is real in your life and you follow with baptism and live in obedience to Him. And three, that you surrender your life and you live your life in and through Him. That's what's most important. But my question to you is this this morning. What kind of relationship do you have? We use our cell phones because we have a relationship with people. We say little things like, colon, dash, a parenthesis, or whatever that is. Not semicolon, wink, or a smile, a parenthesis, just to make a smiley face. And then we do little things like, XO, or I'm thinking of you and I love you. And we make all these little texts, But we never take time for prayer. We never take time to allow God to become real in our life. To pick up our prayer life. We're too busy. We're going to work. All of a sudden, a deer jumps out like it did on Route 8 here to me two weeks ago. I mean, right in the middle of the day. And I almost hit that deer. I mean, it was like... If I would not have seen that thing coming out of my peripheral vision, I looked back, we saw the thing land right in front of us and leap over that concrete wall. We stop and we do what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for watching over us. But how about this? Good morning, Lord. This is Todd. I just wanted to say that today's going to be a great day. And I want to come to you on behalf of me. Because I just want you to know I love you and I care for you. And you are a holy God, you're a righteous God, you're an awesome God. And today, I want to thank you for my wife, for my children, for my family, for my friends, that I have the opportunity to go out and labor with my hands to provide for my family. Thank you, Lord, today that I get to get up and walk in and have a hot shower. And today, Lord, I just want to tell you some of the things I'm going to do. Here's on my itinerary. And then I go down through my list on my itinerary. And as I'm going through my list of things, doing my little checkup thing with me and God, I know that He knows where I'm at. Halfway through the day, I've been practicing this for a week. Hello, God, this is Todd. I just want to let you know, well, this morning I was able to get up. Becky and I were able to go to our prayer room and and spend some time together. And uh, it was a great time of fellowship. And Lord, then I had to run to Ravenna. And then I had to go pick up a check. And then I had to go to the bank. And I was able to visit my brother in jail this week. And um, Lord, thank you so much for your presence being real there. And and, uh, so this morning's been very productive. Thank you, Father, for watching over me. Then throughout the afternoon, I go back to prayer again. And, you know, and I start talking to him. You look at me like, Pastor, you're strange. That's kind of awkward. But you know what's, what's amazing is that God wants you to have that relationship with Him. He wants you to talk to Him. He wants you to cry out to Him. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. And I want to experience God in His fullness. I want to know that when I go to Him 
And I say, God, I need this today that he doesn't scratch his head and go, who in the world are you? Did you say your name was Todd? Because I haven't heard from you in about a week and a half. I think you forgot who I am and where I was at. You know, isn't it very easy as we do prayer requests instead of saying, you know what, Lord, today, that's why we say praise and prayer during our discipleship class. Because I think what happens is this. We end up getting into our routine of life and say we have these needs, so we want to bring forth this fleece, as the scripture says, or petition before the Lord. But you know what? God already knows your heart before you even speak it out loud. But how great just to know that you and he have a sweet, sweet fellowship. The disciples, as Jesus chose them, he said unto them, he said, you know, I want to, we want to know how to pray and and what are we going to pray and, and how does one pray? And you heard Leslie say, and it was so great because this morning I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're going to do something a little different if you have your Bible. We'll be reading out of the King James Version. But I'm going to have you stand this morning in honor of his word as I read this in Matthew chapter 6. If you'll all stand with me as we read his word together. And it says this. Verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. When thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Listen closely. Here's Jesus teaching on prayer. Verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto thee, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray... Use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask of them. And I want you to say this out loud with me, verse 9. Let's read it together. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's go over to chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 7 says this. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? 
If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask of him? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you and we've, we just thank you, Father, for the great prayer of all times. Teaching us your holiness. Teaching us that we can bring our petition before you. Teaching us to have an attitude of gratitude. Teaching us, Father, that we need to bring everything to you. But, Father, say your will be done and not our will. And so this morning, teach us to fall deeper in love with you. Teach us to learn how to pray and to have a communication and a relationship with you. Father, this morning, thank you for your word. Father, hide me in the shadows. Let your word go out. May it prosper. May it not come back void. But Lord, may your work be done. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This prayer was more than a prayer to be repeated. It was to serve as a blueprint of all prayer that would be acceptable to God. The Lord's Prayer. Well, it's not wrong to recite the prayer. It is more important to understand its principles. And I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. As we're going to make that our focus this morning. Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer. And what is prayer? It says this in verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In this text, we're going to see three principles this morning on prayer. We are to pray boldly. Two, we are to pray passionately. And then three, we are to pray expectantly. Listen, little lady. Is he going to be the next preacher? (laughs) <laughs> He's just a cooing back there. Don't you guys love having babies? I'll tell you, this pastor loves increasing the church, so I'm praying that you'll be with child before long. So, uh, <laughs> don't put the carriage before the horse. You hear what I'm saying? All right. Um, as we continue in prayer, let's look at verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. In order to understand this parable, we need to understand a few things about the first century culture. First of all, food was not as readily available as it is today. 
There were, of course, no 24-hour 7-Eleven convenient food stores on each corner. Therefore, enough bread was baked each day for the needs of that day. Secondly, what we need to see here, hospitality was held in high regard and was seen almost as a duty. A visitor was welcomed and cared for. And here's what I want you to see through this, is that in Palestine, they always had bread. However, you couldn't keep bread long because it would go bad. And uh, the Jewish people figured that when people would arrive to their house in that culture, one of the greatest things that you do is you give them bread. So Jesus is teaching a great parable on giving. But there, that's just the backdrop of really what's going on here. And I think it's great, as we were at the men's conference The number one speaker spoke on Matthew chapter 11, and I thought, this is unbelievable. Because, I mean, Luke chapter 11, (laughs) that is unbelievable because he didn't preach on Matthew 11. Luke chapter 11 was because I thought, "This this is such a God thing for me. Because I am going to be teaching on prayer, and what is my text? Luke chapter 11. And because I've never, you know, I've never preached on it before. I've I've preached on ask, seek, and knock. And I'm going to go to a different level of, I think, uh, an area in regard to prayer that we can look at. But here he is. Comes to his house. He knocks on the door. And he's like, oh, no, I've got a guest. I don't have enough food. So, you know, how many of you have some great neighbors? Donnie and Renee, you better raise your hand. Okay, thank you. Gotcha. And uh, (laughs) so... And, and when, we're, when we run out of stuff, do we not call each other up on the phone? Do you have this? Do you have that? And we book it up there, send the girls back and forth, and, and we're thankful for that. And so you're getting ready to prepare for a great meeting. And so we have some great neighbors, people that will go out of their way. But one thing that I loved is that, you know, back in that culture, what people don't realize is that when people went to bed, you didn't have a five-bedroom home. You didn't have a three-bedroom home. You had a one-room house. That's all she got. Plus, you're sharing it with the goats and the, and, and the cattle and all kinds of stuff. So it was great, and, and uh, air freshener was really well needed in that house. But um, So here's what happened. So it says right there in his word that here's what happened. He said he came to the house, but it was late. It was midnight, one in the morning. Not sure exactly what time, but it was late enough that you know he knocked on the door and he wanted to wake him up. So as he's knocking on the door... He's saying, hey, listen, I need your help. He's like, be quiet, I'm sleeping. But here's how he was really saying it. Be quiet, shut your mouth, I'm trying to sleep. Would you just be quiet? The kids are asleep. You guys saw that in the scripture, didn't you? In verse 8 where it says, his children were asleep. So he says, listen, you've got to get up because I have no bread. I need something. And you're saying, but pastor, what is the lesson to be learned here? Here's the lesson to be learned. And I want you to notice it in your Bible. And it it says this, that he said, trouble me not. The door is not shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise to give to thee. Verse 8 says this, I send you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistency. Take that and mark it in your Bible importunity, which is in the King James Version, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Even today, it is easy to understand this man's reluctant to provide for his friend's needs. Anyone who has ever wrestled to get children into bed understand the man's unwillingness to do anything to arouse his children. But since the whole family slept in the same room and even the smaller livestock was brought into the house... 
To get up and meet this man's needs meant considerable inconvenience. The man inside the house initially refused, initially refused the request. Friendship alone was not a sufficient reason to upset the whole household. But Jesus is saying to his listeners, Can you imagine a friend who would react in such a way? And of course, in doing so, he expected a negative reply. Not of course not. Not us. Ultimately, the reluctant friend got up and gave his neighbor what he needed for one reason only. The persistence of the man making the request. Jesus is not comparing God to a sleepy, selfish, and angry neighbor. He's contrasting the two. He's telling the disciples that if a neighbor can, on the basis of friendship and social etiquette, be persuaded to meet the needs of a friend, how much more will your Father in heaven meet the needs of his children? Yet sometimes we think that the reason for our failure in prayer is that we have not been persistent enough. We say at least to ourselves, I know that if I had prayed more, more things would happen. That is because we have convinced ourselves that we must keep beating on God's door until we overcome God's unwillingness to act. Is that what verse 8 is teaching about prayer? Of course not. The meaning of the Greek word, any dian, translated importunity, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so don't hold me to that pronunciation. And as persistence is the key to understanding the lesson that Jesus is teaching. And so as you, you mark it in your Bible and you circle persistency, this is the only time this word appears in the entire New Testament. The Greek word actually carries out shamelessness. The question is which of the men in this story is shameless? Some point to the neighbor who arose and gave his friend bread, saying that he did so to avoid bringing shame to the village by breaking the rules of hospitality. The context seems to suggest that it refers to the man who came making the request. He was shameless in his persistence, continuous pleading until his friend responded. But what gives us the right to come boldly and shamelessly to come to God with our needs? Reminds me of... This morning, I'm in the shower and I hear the door knock. Is that Megan? Who called you? Okay. This was hysterical. And I thought to myself, this is persistency on behalf of my daughter. I'm in the shower. Becky's in the bathroom doing her hair. We hear a knock. We ignore the knock. Come on, parents. You act like you've never done that before. <laughs> You ignore the knock. All of a sudden, I hear Becky say, hello? Because Caitlin was persistent. She says, I'm going to get a hold of my mother. I'm calling her in the bedroom. Isn't that amazing? I just laughed in the shower and I said, now that's a great illustration. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad you used my daughter so I could use it this morning. If we are persistent, God will answer our prayer. Did you answer Becky? I mean, did you answer Caitlin, Becky? Okay, so we had to see Gabby modeling a sweater this morning. And, uh, but see, that's persistency. That's how it works. That's exactly what we should learn from this. Isn't it amazing how we can learn from our children to be persistent? God wants us to be persistent. 
There was a story back in Roman history about a Roman emperor in his chariot as a part of a parade, cheering people lined the streets while the legionnaires were stationed to keep the people at a safe distance. The emperor's family sat on a platform to watch him go by and all in awe, the, the pride of his position. As the emperor came near the place where his family was stationed, a young boy jumped from the platform, burrowed through the crowd and tried to dodge a legionnaire so he could run to the emperor's chariot. The soldier stopped him and said, you cannot go near him. And here's what the boy laughed and said. He may be your emperor, but he is my father. Then he ran into his father's open arms. The writer of Hebrew reminds us as believers that because our high priest Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, we can't come boldly before the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. We have no need to fear because we are children of the Most High King. Ask, seek, and knock. Number two, we are to pray passionately. Don't give up. We can pray in a bold way. We can continue to go to the Lord and say, Lord, here's my petition. Here is my request. But more than anything, he wants us to pray passionately. Look at verses 9 and 10. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. You know, in my Bible, I've had this for a lot of years. I've circled ask, seek, and knock. And I've circled asketh, seeketh, knocketh. And then I underlined it and put in big letters, my reward. When it says, the door will be opened. Honey, did you open up the door when she called you to look at that sweater? Persistency. Caitlin was passionate. She wanted mom to see this sweater that she had given Gabby. Isn't it amazing how that persistency pays off? But she was passionate about it. She enjoyed what she was wearing and said, you've got to see this, mom. And so mom granted that petition. Each of the three actions, asking, seeking, and knocking, occurs in the present tense in the original Greek language. It is thus literally, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. There's progression in the persistence, asking, seeking, and knocking. And I want you to mark these three levels of prayer in your Bible. Ask, seek, and knock. Now let's consider this morning their meaning. Asking means making a simple request. Seeking implies a stronger desire and a more definite kind of request. It is something that takes time. It implies a greater sense of urgency. And knocking shows determination to get an answer. Jesus is saying that there are some situations that require more than merely asking for something, seeking it out then it's not a simple act. It is a process, a series of acts. This knocking is not a single rap. It is a series of raps. It is a request for admission, repeated if necessary. And it suggests situations where we seek an entrance or an opportunity. 
In verse 10 it says there, For everyone that asketh receives, and he that seeketh finds, and to him that knocks, the door will be opened. The answer to each of the actions is also noted in the present tense. Ask, receive. Seek, find. Knock. And it's open. All three of these principles are imperative. In which our Heavenly Father not only hears our prayers, but promises to answer each and every prayer in His time, to His honor, to our joy and amazement. By continued asking, seeking, and knocking, we break the habit where prayer is just an option. Or it's just for emergency use only. Don't just come to God with just your midnight emergencies. Keep an open line of communication with your father. There was a man, by the way, when, when they talk about persistent prayer. I don't know if you've heard of George Mueller. The founder of the great Christian orphanage in England in the 19th century. He was a man of prayer. And there was a man that he prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. For 60 years, he prayed that that man would come to Jesus Christ. Reminds me of a story. When I was a teenage boy, one of my first soul winning adventures. It's gone now. It's in Edinburgh, Ohio. It's right next to the United Church of Christ. There was a white house. And her name was Mary Insinger, and she used to live there. And I remember as a, as a teenage boy, I would go over there, and she had, um, what is it, the curvature of the spine, arthritis, where, you know, she was hunched over. Scoliosis, thank you. And um, so she had scoliosis, and I, I would go in there and say, Mrs. Insinger, I'd walk up there. And it was one day that the Lord said to me, Todd, you need to talk to her about the Lord. I said, I need to talk to her about the Lord? What am I going to say? I'm but a teenager. I'm just a little youth. So as the Lord put that on my heart, I started praying for her. God, please, let her come to know Christ. Eighty-five years old, still in this house. And so I went there one day. I took my, my Bible and had this little track. I walked up to her, knocked on the door. And, you know, I knew it took some time, but I didn't see her. And so I ran around the house and I looked in the window and I saw her sitting there. So I continued to knock. And I continued to knock until she opened up the door. And I said, Mrs. Insinger, I said, can I talk to you? And she said, well, sure, Shani, come on in. So I went on into her house. We sat down. I said, I'm going to ask you an important question. Do you know Christ is your Savior? Well, what do you mean? I went right next door to church my whole life. I've been a good lady. I said, no, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? She said to me, well, I know who he is, but I don't know him in a personal way. So I said, well, I want to show you from his word. So I opened up the Bible and I showed her. and I said, all you have to do is pray. She said, well, let me think about it. I said, okay. So I left. And I remember it as a little boy praying and praying and praying for her salvation because I didn't want her to die and, and be in the flames of hell forever. I went back to her house knocked on the door, took her some time to get there, just a few days later, and the persistency of this little skinny, you know, 90-pound boy was going to get an answer from her. I loved Mrs. Insinger, and I did not want to have to stand before the gates of heaven when I knew the Lord told me, speak to that lady. 
And I'll never forget going in there. And it was so sweet. We just sat on our couch. And I said, Mrs. Insinger, I've thought this through. And you know what? I love you. She looked at me so startled like, why would a little neighbor boy love me? And I said, why don't you ask Christ into your heart? She said, I've given it some thought and I'd like to ask Jesus, would you like to lead me? Oh, here comes that. Now, what am I going to say? Uh, I'm not real sure, but I know what the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 10. Just confess your sin, ask Christ into your heart and, and, and live for him. And do you know that little lady, she cried and she wept. And we both sat there near, I'm a little teenage boy who's wiping my eyes too. And she accepted Christ as her savior. Persistency paid off. Prayer pays off. Do you hear me, church? We cannot stop praying. We cannot stop going to God the Father. You know, oftentimes we'll say, but pastor, I want you to come and pray. No, when I get to that bedside, you know what I want? I do want to pray. Because when I start praying for you, God already knows who you are because you already have a relationship with Him. Isn't that awesome? Let me hear you say amen. amen. We should all be in the place where we have a relationship with Him and we know who Christ is in a personal way. Amen. That He can feel and sense. And, when, he, and when, you, when your name is brought up, that all of a sudden, all of heaven shines down upon you and the prayer is ushered right in and then God's able to meet that need. Ask, seek, and knock. As we keep on asking, we're to keep on seeking. And a part of the seeking is seeking to discover what the will of God is in this matter. God cannot put things in our hands until the first He prepares our hearts. Someone has said it this way. The greatest blessing of prayer is not just getting an answer, but being the kind of person that God can trust with the answer. Point three. We're to pray passionately. And then last, we are to pray expectantly. 11 through 13 says this, And if a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, give him a, give him a stone? Or will he give him a fish? Let me back this up here. Let me start all over again. Verse 11. This is my age, sorry. If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? If he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? From the first story, we learn that God does answer prayer. From the second analogy, we learn that this answer, they're always good ones. Because God is a good God, a loving Heavenly Father. He can be expected not only to answer our prayers, but in answering them in such a way that it is for our highest good. The bottom line of the whole matter is now given in verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Do you as a parent ever worry about the answers that you must give to your child? When I say yes, and I give them what they want, am I spoiling them? Or when I say no, was my denial selfish or short-sighted? We do the best we can, but sometimes our best is just not good enough. But our Heavenly Father knows no such limits. God never says no because He is distracted, exhausted, or irritable. 
Last night, we celebrated Bruce's 50th birthday. And I have to make that public for everybody. And uh, yeah. we were at the restaurant, and Canaan had already made plans. You get to be two illustrations this morning, honey. She says to me, Dad, can I have some cheese? I'm not going to eat because I'm supposed to go out with friends tonight to Hibachi, Japan. And she says to me, can I have some cheese? I'm like, I don't think $5 for that cheese. If you're leaving, spend your money there. Bad enough, we couldn't for some reason get tortilla chips at this restaurant. I mean, what's up with that? Do you guys want to hear this? Here's what she says to us. I got time for this 60-second advertisement. Here's what she says. A lot of you people are not eating. What did you just say? A lot of you people are not eating. You got water, and some of you are not eating. We all looked at each other like, yeah, we're eating. And the funny part was, I do want you to know, where Linda is sitting there eating tortilla chips, and the lady takes her tortilla chips. I thought all Mexican restaurants just kept it flowing to overflowing. So we finally did get our chips, and we finally convinced her that we were all going to eat their food, not just come for chips and cake. I wonder why we were at this restaurant. I won't tell you where it's at. Mariachi Locos in Southfield. Okay, Springfield. <laughs> Anyhow, my daughter stands up and says, Dad, can I have some cheese sauce? No, honey. Just, don't worry about it. I mean, we don't need to spend the extra money. Dad, can I have some cheese sauce? No, honey. Dad, can I have some cheese? Oh, get your cheese sauce, for goodness sake. She's learned that persistency pays off. It always does. It's hard for us to say no to our children. How much more does our Heavenly Father have a hard time telling us no? Isn't that amazing? He wants to offer all the petitions that you bring to Him. He wants to bless your life. Listen, that's prayer. That's practicing prayer. He wants to give to you and say, Go ahead, have some cheese sauce. He wants to bless your life. Also says in that verse, Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those that, who ask of Him. I believe this context reveals to us rather that it speaks to the fact that God loved His love for His children to develop the habit of asking for His help. But He does not leave us trapped by our own limited perception of the situation but makes the Holy Spirit available to present our needs to the Father. Romans 8.26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmities. For we don't always or even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Spirit, is, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He tells His disciples, You know, here He was in deep thought. And He says to His disciples, when you go to your Father, just ask Him, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. But Father, forgive us of our trespasses. Forgive us for those that have hurt us and wronged us. For Father, for Thine is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever and ever. Father, it's all about You. And in the midst of my prayer... Father, I want you to realize that I just want the Holy Spirit to 
to, to, to go to you on behalf of my request. Let me tell you something. I don't care. You know, we have churches that are, are growing by leaps and bounds all the way around this dear, wonderful country, even in Ohio's Summit County. Wouldn't it be great to have a reputation about a church that says, they're a praying church. Those people know Christ. They have a relationship with Him. We have forgotten church. We have forgotten what prayer is about. Dear Lord, thank you for this food. Blessed to our bodies. May not rot in our gut. Amen. It's so repetitive. It's, it's the normality. But how about this? Father, I yearn for a deeper walk with you. I yearn to have a closer relationship with you. Father, today, know who I am. Discern my heart. Discern my spirit. Father, do a work in me. And today, Father, I pray that you'll bless everywhere I go, everything that I touch. Father, may I be an example of your glory. You know, when we, when we go to the Lord in prayer and we bring his petition, and he knows who we are. And we pray over our children. Let me tell you something. I don't want Caitlin to be a name or Victoria, Megan, Lindsay. I don't want them to be a name. I want them to know their birth, birth order. I want them to know their heart. And when I go to God the Father and I say, you know what, my thirdborn is dealing with this problem, he'll say, I know who your thirdborn is. That's Megan. That's the kind of prayer we need to have. Are you going to him? Are you seeking him out? Are you being persistent? As we conclude, God is eager to respond to his children who unashamedly ask. Persistently seek and expectantly knock at his door with their needs and requests. Great writer C.S. Lewis reminds us of the challenge we face each day. The moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. This unknown poet said this way in a poem that's titled, Into the Day. I got up this morning and rushed into the day. I had so much to accomplish, but I didn't have time to pray. Troubles just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me? I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, why child, you didn't knock. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I called on the Lord for the reason. He said, you did not seek. I woke up early this morning and I paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Those of us who are parents do our best to provide for our children. We pay for their housing and upkeep. We finance their education. We gladly pay all the expenses necessary for them to, to live. But the one thing that we cannot give our children unless they want it is a relationship. So it is with God. He desires a relationship with you. He extends an invitation for a relationship. 
But it is up to you to accept this invitation or not to accept the invitation. If you lack the courage to come to God as your Father, He has provided a way to take care of that. If you will accept His Son, Jesus, as your personal Savior, you become a part of God's awesome family. And the first step to a great relationship is knowing Him in a personal way. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God knows who you are. He knows your heart. He knows where you're at. He knows what path in life you're taking. Are you walking with Him? Are you talking with Him? Does He know who you are? And this morning, I've prayed for you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, when the song starts, I want you to walk down and say, I'm going to know who Christ is. Don't you wait to be 85 years of age. And she missed 85 years of having a sweet, sweet fellowship with her Savior. I want you today to receive what has said. To persistently and proactively cry out to God. Seek His face. Seek a life with Him. He wants to know who you are. And let me tell you this. I don't want to have to to stand at the great gate. And he says, well, wait a minute. Your name's not written in the book of life because I don't even know who you are. And he says, depart from me, you partners of iniquity. I never knew you. Get away from me. And he cast your soul into the depths of hell. This morning, will you accept him? And maybe you do know who he is. But you've left him on the other side of the door. You haven't been persistent. You've said, you know what? I'm not opening up this door. I'm quitting before that prayer is even answered. Don't you ever give up and don't you let Satan make you believe that you have to give up. God is ready and He's willing to answer that prayer. All He wants to do is open up that door and say, step on in. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says he wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour out his blessings upon your life. This morning, will you allow God to be real? Are you willing to consider the cost and pay the price? Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Keep on praying. God will respond if you'll just believe. If you'll just be bold enough. If you'll be persistent. Do you believe God can build a building outside this church? Amen. Amen. Don't you stop praying. Do you believe God can double the numbers in this church? Then don't you stop praying. There are people that need Jesus Christ and we've got a work to do. Ask, seek, and knock. Be proactive. Let's all stand as we close. Father, we come to you this morning and we're just grateful, Father, that we can um, realize what a great message that Lord that man who stood outside that door and said hey all I need is a piece of bread father was persistent and that man opened up the door for the same reason you were giving us that parable so that we'll realize that God the fullness of who you are can be experienced if we will not give up or lose heart father I come to you today 
asking and pleading that for those souls that don't know you, may they start today in a relationship with you that will change the course of their life. Father, may all of us this morning come to a place where we fall on our face and say, Lord, I'm going to start praying. And I'm going to start today with a relation. I have failed you. My relationship with you has, has fallen and faltered because I have used Facebook and other things of, or means of entertainment. And so, Father, it's no longer about you. And so, Father, this morning, convict the spirits and the hearts and lives of your people. And, Lord, I pray that you'll encourage them. Allow them to receive the great truths from your word. That, Lord, they can live in victory. And they, too, can have a relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen.